very profoundly profound. Okay, whatever, that's redundant. But you know what I mean? It's like... Uh, it's exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Alex Fluxer. And I'm Rivki Silver. And this is Normal From Women. The podcast where we embrace the complexities, nuances, and joys of from womanhood. Normal for Women is supported by the Grove Kosher Market. We are sure you've heard the buzz about town, but now it's official. Cleveland, get ready for the full Grove Kosher experience people have come to know and love from the Florida Grove locations. You will be wowed by each department from sushi, bakery, grab-and-go, grocery, frozen food, dairy, and full meat section with butchers on premises. The brands that you haven't seen yet in Cleveland will finally be here. No more running around to numerous places. This is your one-stop shopping experience. Be sure to come by July 22nd for the grand opening. Enjoy live music, raffles, meet and greet the staff, and many more surprises to come. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. One of the things we like to do on this podcast is to normalize the experiences of from women. And our experiences are so diverse based on our different circumstances, backgrounds, lifestyles, and religious leanings. So sometimes we'll struggle with something, whether it's personal or communal, and it's so reassuring to know that we are not the only ones with the struggle. Oh, yes. These days, it's en vogue to publicize your struggles with Judaism. Netflix is waiting. (laughs) Well, I think that might be a topic for another episode. Hmm. Should we do that? You got me thinking. Hmm. Maybe our listeners can tell us what they think. Yes. Well, you all know how to reach us, so definitely send us a line. Anyway, what we're talking about today on the episode is when we struggle with mitzvahs, when we're having a hard time with an aspect of Yiddishkeit, whether it's a mitzvah or some societal issue, and we choose the word when because it's inevitable. We all go through hard times, and I actually think it's great because it's important to think and grapple with the things that are important to us. Alex, this is really what we were talking about last episode, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Judaism as a relationship. Does anyone know a relationship that doesn't require hard work, where there's zero struggle? Does that exist? Right, and it's really a, a very powerful way to reframe struggle, um, and these relationships, whatever the relationship is, because this is what Yiddishkeit is. It is a relationship and nothing is easy. So we want to give voice to the things that are hard for some of us and really focus on how we deal with it, how we're struggling and staying. So at the end of today's episode, we hope that you will have gained some chizuk in knowing that we all grapple at different points in our lives with different parts of Judaism. And that's okay, and even healthy. But at the end of the day, we want to come out of the struggle stronger. We want to take what we're having a hard time with and try and grow from it and work hard on improving it. So who's ready for a montage? This is a good one. We asked a few normal from women what aspect of Judaism is difficult for them. And this is what they said. One aspect of Yiddishkeit that I struggle with is cultural and hashkafic. Um, Essentially, I'm a lawyer and at work I... I'm very confident in my abilities, and I see myself and I feel I'm viewed and treated as um, very um, professional and accomplished. And it can be hard to switch gears and interact within the Jewish community where uh, women's role is definitely seen as much more limited. I don't have a good way of dealing with this other than kind of compartmentalizing. 
these areas of my life, but it's definitely coming up more, I think, as I advance in my career and feel more confident in that area. And also as my children grow older and um, as my daughter in particular receives messages in school about women's roles and um, some of it I, I don't really agree with just based on my experiences in the workplace. And again, I don't have a great way of dealing with it, but it's, it's, it's definitely there. And, you know, they're all different parts of me. So, okay. So the mitzvah or aspect of Yiddishkeit that I find to be difficult is that there is such a focus on the home and family, um, you know, Shalom Bias and the, you know, the marriage and the relationship um, with the children and parenting and, you know, all, and obviously everything that comes along with being from and Shabbos and Yontif and making everything like geschmack for your kids and for your family. Um, but at the same time, like the realities of from life is that women usually have to work. You usually need, you know, a dual income in this day and age and just balancing those two things seems to be impossible. Like as much as women are good at going from one thing to another and quote unquote multitasking, and we have this, you know, lighter DOS that enables us to go from thing to thing. Sometimes I just feel like I'm, you know, spinning around and don't know where to, um, put my energy into. Um, so basically I just feel like I, I am like, called to do more at home and to work on my marriage and work on my parenting and to just like be home more. And, um, I always feel like I'm torn in different directions. Like I have to be going out and, you know, making money and making sure I show up at work, you know, at least a minimum amount of these, um, between everyone being sick and all the days off and all these other things. And I feel like I'm just like set up for, for failure almost in a way between like tuition and the, you know, yeshiva schedule and um yeah I think a lot of moms struggle with this in general but I think it's it's more pronounced as a from woman because we have this you know bigger focus on the home I became from um I would say almost close to 30 years now and um I was definitely searching you know I had gone to Israel I was very inspired I was searching for some stability in my life, some tradition, something to connect to. I didn't have anything to connect to. And when this all began, you know, way back in the day, this was all very exciting for me. All the stuff, you know, the rules, the it just felt comfortable. But over time, that comfort kind of wore off. And it wasn't so comfortable anymore. It, it, it soon became a challenge. Like this life that I was living was no longer, you know, exciting. It was challenging, which is fine. You know, challenge accepted. I'm willing to do this to connect myself to Hashem. But as the years have continued and things have continued and I've seen the firm community change and and evolve and regress, it's it's hard. And, and I would say that one of my largest challenges is um, women and the treatment of women in the firm community. I struggle with this one, and I know I'm tapping into a subject here that's longer than two minutes, but the treatment of women in the firm community takes away the beauty and the enjoyment of the mitzvahs that we do. I, I, I don't want to go to the mikvah. 
I don't want to cover my hair. I don't want to cover my elbows because if I don't, it might cause you know a building to come crumbling down. Chatz This is not the Yiddishkeit that I found and connected to. This is this is something different. But I also realize that we are living in the Mashiach times, and as a woman. I feel that I do connect to Shem on a different way than maybe my husband and my boys do. But I definitely connect, and I'm still here. Still put my shaitel on every day. I still cover these darn elbows up. But I am teaching it to my children, especially my boys, in a different way than they are being taught in their rabbanim. When my middle schooler graduated eighth grade and he got his yearbook, and his secular teacher, who was a woman, his picture was not... Um, there, it was just a symbol from the school where all the Rabbanim's picture was there. I simply said, this is not okay. She was valuable, and her picture should be here so we remember for many generations what she did for the school. And I'm hoping that this change, when that's us, and maybe that's the Balchuva in me. Who knows? You know, people always say, that's my old ways. No, no, it's not my old ways. That's taking value of my old ways and contributing to help create you know, a better place that Mashiach wants to come to. Like, this is it, people. And the best way I can do that is is bettering the next generation. And and that's my choice. Instead of going away from this, I'm bettering the next generation. So, Alex, I have to say, I feel a little despondent. Like, when things are so societally entrenched, when things that we struggle with, when there's no like clear path to resolution, like sometimes it, it can be a, a, a pretty heavy thing to think about. I do love giving voice to it, just expressing that this is something that we're struggling with. And I also did love how one of the women had specifically said like, yeah, this is something that bothers me, but I am, this is what I'm doing in educating my children in a way that I am making an impact that I find to be a, a meaningful counteraction. Right. And she said specifically, like, I still wake up in the morning and I still cover those darn elbows, you know, (laughs) exactly. Um, You know, some of us may have real struggles and maybe on an identity level may say, like, I can't keep doing this, whatever that is, whatever that mitzvah observance is. And, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm not here to judge that, but I think it should be praised when someone, when someone struggles with something and still says, but I'm 100% committed to this and I'm going to do it even if it's hard for me. Exactly. I find that deeply inspirational. So instead of interviewing people today, we decided that we're going to take the stage and have the conversation ourselves about when we struggle with Yiddishkeit. The inspiration for this episode is actually a social media post by the famous marathon mom, Bidi Deutsch. To me, it was a real eye-opener. I know, Rifki, we were talking about it when she posted it. And in case you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to read some bits of her post here. Um, it really speaks for itself. So here it goes. Bidi Deutsch, this was posted um, in the springtime this year, 2021. Quote, I have a confession to make. I don't find modesty empowering. What? Me? The champion of modesty herself? The one who proudly wears long sleeves, a headscarf and a skirt at every single race? Yep, you heard right. I actually find it a lot more empowering to rock a crop top as a mom who's given birth five times right now. And it would be kind of cool to show off all those muscles I worked so hard for. (laughs) You know, I think maybe if I had like muscles there instead of just, you know, squishiness, I would. (laughs) I know this is not my struggle, but man, I totally hear it beating. 
<laughs> okay, I'm continuing. Now at age 31, I've finally been forced to confront modesty head on and dig a little deeper. To ask myself why I choose to keep this mitzvah every single day if it's restricting me in the sport I pursue. Mm-hmm. I may not ever fully understand the reasons behind the rules of modesty. It can sometimes be hard to see the connection between covering my elbows and reflecting my inner soul. And so at the end of the day, I accept that I can also adhere to the laws of modesty because I'm in a relationship with God and I cherish his requests, even if I don't understand them. For me right now, I've chosen to focus on internalizing the message of humility through my clothing. Dressing modestly reminds me that my strength is not my own. When I dress modestly, I remind myself that my speed is a gift from God and it's not me that deserves the credit. It keeps me in check and connected to who I truly am at my core a body and soul with a piece of God inside me. So much wow to this. This is, Mm -hmm. it's just, I I like, I love that BD was so vulnerable about this. Of course, the fact that she was vulnerable and then turned it around to like such a beautiful message of how she took this challenge and used it to like reach a height of connection to Hashem. I just, I'm, I'm completely in awe. Yeah. in awe. This is a great example of normalizing religious struggle. I'm not used to seeing, I'm going to see even religious role models sharing their vulnerability when it comes to Torah and Yiddishkeit. And then to have someone be like, uh, yeah, that's what you know me, know me for, but I'm just telling you right now that this is really hard for me. I think we sort of like hide behind the Baruch Hashem's, you know, that's part of our culture a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just found it so powerful that she shared this and like you said, took it the next step and, and, and shared with all of us, how she strengthens herself in this particular mitzvah that is so hard for it. So I, I, I hope this encourages all of us. And that's really why we're having this episode. Let's, let's talk about these things. It's okay. That doesn't mean we're less from, it doesn't mean we're, you know, less of a role model. If we talk about what's hard for us in our Judaism, let's be, let's own it, but then take the next step, which is how do we strengthen ourselves? Exactly. So, so we've been talking about other people's struggles, right? Listening to other people's experiences with parts of Yiddishkeit. Now it is her turn. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> we have to put our money where our mouth is. You know? <laughs> exactly. Maybe we should have gotten someone to interview for this. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Would have been a lot easier. <laughs> right? So when I was thinking about what mitzvah specifically do I struggle with, um, the, this is the one that has come up again and again when, when this question has been posed to me, which is I hate checking vegetables for bugs, like with every fiber of my being. I don't even know how to say it. It just feels so extreme to me. I have all these like thoughts in my mind of like, is this really what Chazal meant? Surely they meant like locusts or something giant and not like (laughs) thrips or something so small that I need like a a blown up microscopic picture of what it looks like to find it, you know? Um, And I feel like, why is it this barrier toward eating healthy, which when it's already a struggle, I find it already a struggle to eat healthy as a busy mom Mm. of five. I don't pretend foodie, you know, and it's like, I love carbs. So Mm -hmm. why make it even harder for me either? You know, it's expensive to get the pre-checked things. And a lot of the pre-checked things here in Cleveland are frozen. So it's not even fresh. It's like this extra thing on top of something that's already a thing. And I always just felt like, why is this necessary? And it's interesting. I didn't feel this way about a lot of other mitzvahs that I think are more common to feel those feelings about because it's a little bit random. I just always found myself feeling like bitter and resentful whenever I would be faced with having to check something like really just bitter. (laughs) Mm. 
you know, not, not a feeling I want to feel when it comes to my Judaism. I, I don't have any sort of like beady joy level, like, you know, <laughs> I'm not beady, but fine. Um, the thing that I found that would help me with motivation and with working past like the negative feelings that will come up um, was just to keep in mind that like the being from is really like a package deal. Like keeping mitzvos is a package deal. And I can't just like pick and choose which ones I actually want to observe. Like that's not mm. how, that's not how it goes for me. Like I try to sometimes think about the mitzvos that I do enjoy, the ones that I do feel connected to, the ones that I do feel like a spiritual component. Right? I can not like, you know, obviously, do I ever understand the reasons behind many of the mitzvahs I keep? No, I don't. But like, I can appreciate them on an emotional and a spiritual level in a way that I don't appreciate bug checking. So when I think about it in a greater context, like zoom out, you know, zoom out from the moment that I'm having this negative feeling and zoom out to like the greater whole. Like, well, why am I doing all of this? Like, what's the point of all of it, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things? And so then it diminishes the intensity of my dislike for this particular mitzvah and hmm. uh, it's great great advice to sort of zoom me out and thinking like wait a minute I committed to this you know and I and I, I like this idea of picking and I don't like the idea of picking and choosing I mean I'm sure we all do it to a certain extent but like let's right. really think about that if I'm really committed to this who am I to pick and choose it's yeah. almost an illogical thing <laughs> Right. You know, exactly. Like it's, it's like in any relationship, like, you know, any friendship, right. any rela- relationship with a spouse or a loved one, you know, no other human being is going to resonate on every single level with you. So it's right. like, you know, there's always going to be something that you're like, eh, maybe that could be a little different. I feel like it's the same thing with mitzvahs in relationship to Hashem. Like, you know, we're not going to connect to everything on the same level of love and intensity. Although maybe that is the goal. Like if I was on a higher level, but mm-hmm. like, you know, me, human, normal from woman, me, like I don't love everything the same level. Some things I like better than others. Right. That's normal. <laughs> yeah. Well, the good thing is with Judaism is there are all different ways to plug in and connect. You know, you yeah. have the meticulous detail oriented type and you have the spiritual, you know, and then you have the intellectual type. There's, there's something for everyone. 100%. So that is good. Okay. Let me share with you. <laughs> Honestly, I have two things to say in terms of struggles regarding specific pieces of like Judaism and mitzvahs. I'm really having a hard time with davening right now. Mm. (laughs) It's been like this for a while. And this is the worst and saddest part about this is like in high school, I was like the davener, like davening was my mitzvah. And on paper, even still, and in my heart, it still is my mitzvah, but I am just so bogged down in my roles being a mom. And, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I'm not thinking about my self-care and davening. I think I saw as part of my self-care. It's like an expression of me. When I wake up, it's just about everybody else. And it's just the facts. Should I wake up a half an hour earlier and sit down with my cup of coffee and put on my makeup? Yes. Do I? No. You know, I'm just like, (laughs) this is how it is. And like, although I know there are ways to fix this and know there are ways to change it, I'm just still getting in my routines of like, just taking care of everybody else and my huge to-do list and just to stop and, and even say Shwana Estre is hard. It's like a mind, it's like a, a barrier. It's like a wall that I need to like learn to break through. Mm-hmm. I, I am like mocked if you will, that I will not eat until I say brachos, but it used to be, I would open up my center and say brachos. Now I'm like mumbling it. You know, I don't even know if I'm saying the whole thing, but like, I'm like walking around I, the like, house. That's a, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's a, some kind of like small standard that I've tried to maintain. My feeling is when I get back into it or when I connect to whenever I do daven, it's not like I never daven. When I'm davening by my Shabbos candles, I'm like, okay, replug back. Like I feel that. Yeah. I feel what it's like. It reminds me what it's like to like be reconnecting to my creator. And I like how that feels. So I, that's my hope is like, 
when I actually do do it, like ride those waves of feeling connected and I'm going to want more of it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Davening is also something that I am not as, it's not happening as often as I would like it to happen. We'll say, but whenever it does happen. That makes me feel better, Risky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like that feeling that, that endorphin rush. It reminds me of like, whenever I exercise, I get that same feeling of like, this is so good. Why don't I prioritize it? That's the same thing. It's actually literally the same thing. It's just a spiritual endorphin rush versus a physical. We can talk about exercise in another episode, but I'm not going to be too vulnerable there. Um, (laughs) The other thing I just wanted to mention briefly is, you know, not talking about societal stuff, just Judaism itself. Yeah. Sometimes I have a hard time with the cycle of Yom Tovim. Um, as you can tell, I'm someone who likes to feel things and likes to feel connected. And when I don't feel things, it's hard, it's hard for me. Not yeah. that I don't keep mitzvot or keep kosher because I'm not feeling it, but specifically with Yom Tovim, where it's like, you're sort of required to sort of feel something. I mean, yeah. it's Tish above, you know what I mean? You really need to be feeling something. I, I find this most acutely like perm time. It's like the dead of winter. I'm not feeling shalakonos. It's not my mitzvah. It's yeah. hard for me. So generally the cycles of the Jewish calendar, when I'm not feeling that Yom Tov, that's one thing about Judaism that I find difficult. It's, it's we're being asked to feel certain things at certain times, even if we're not feeling it. My job is I better learn how to feel it. I better put time into learning about the Yom Tov, you know, reconnecting to those mitzvahs. It's effort. It's not going to be easy. But right. sometimes I, feel I don't have that drive or feeling that I'm, I want to invest the effort. And that's what's hard for me. Yeah, I totally, it's so, I was actually just talking to my husband about this the other day, that kind of concept of as, as Jewish mothers, here we are, we're like running the household, so to speak. We're in charge of chinuch for our kids in the home and we're, you know, making all of these things happen. We're making the yantav happen. And yet it's a very, it's a paradoxical existence, you know, where we're supposed to be connecting, but we're too busy to connect, but we can't connect as deeply as we want to, unless we make time to connect, but then we don't have the time. It's like, oh, That's right. oh okay. The only difference though I find is Shabbos. Shabbos I have no problem with. I have no problem with the force to stop and that I cannot live without. But I I think this is the beautiful part about Judaism. What would happen if we had no Yom Tovim? What would happen if it was day in and day out just grind? I mean, we we need to be able to stop and remember um, and remind ourselves of our our history as a Jewish people of these Yom Tovim that like brings us joy into our lives. Like, thank God for them. It's just, again, it's my job to take responsibility to, to work harder at it. We talked about a little bit before we started recording the podcast about how a lot of the feedback in the montage was not about specific mitzvahs, but really more about the greater societal reality of living in the firm community. And I was wondering if, if you wanted to like touch on that a mm. little bit, take the vulnerability to the next level. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, like our society that we're desperately trying to serve Hashem and reflect Hashem's will and with all of our human foibles and all of our human limitations. And like, we're, we're, we're trying to do it. And then we step back and it's like, this is what we've created. Like, this is the culture. This is the community. This is the best we can do Hashem. We are trying. And I, I really try to remind myself, like we are human. We are trying to take this Torah and make it real. And we mess up a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that's my general words of introduction. There's lots we could say. There's lots you can nitpick. I mean, I, 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 a number of years ago, I was involved in a particular issue in the Orthodox communal world. And a group of us women were involved. And we were very vocal about it. We were writing articles and all that. And I just want to tell you what that was like for me. I remember reaching out to, to this group, and it was via Facebook. And I, I, and I said, like, Do, does this ever affect your Avodah Hashem? 
Like when you get so wrapped up and upset and vocal and angry about some issue in Jewish communal world, the Jewish communal world, no matter how valid it is, no matter how right you are, mm-hmm. does that ever affect your vote of Hashem? And I question it is well, because I was feeling it myself. <laughs> I was like, like, but, like you could start getting like, mm, a re, uh, blurring those boundaries of like Torah, Mitzvot, Hashem, and like other stuff. And mm-hmm. I found like, I was not feeling as confident as I normally felt about being a Jewish woman. It, it absolutely was impacting me in my relationship with Torah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to get to more specific about what that was. <laughs> so I try, there's so much to look around us and say like, this is not right. This is messed up. This needs fixing. And they're meant and people who feel that they can fix and do should, they should not just sit back and accept it. I just have sort of have come to the point now that I don't want to over-focus on the stuff that is dysfunctional mm-hmm. and needs to be addressed. But for me personally, if I start getting too wrapped up and hot-headed about some of this stuff, it does impact it does impact my system. It makes sense. You know, I don't know how it couldn't. We're very much impacted by our environment and if mm-hmm. the environment that you're in is focused more on negativity than it's on the negative even yeah. even for like the best possible m- motivations you know it still is gonna have an effect I think right know? I mean it's sort of ironic that I'm saying this when I write like my column is all about like things in the firm world that like maybe we can improve <laughs> on so obviously this is just my nature this is you know I, well, I, I mean, I'm still in that way right but, but you're not saying you're not saying to not you're not saying to not fix it and not focus it. You're just yeah, yeah. You're also just bringing to the fore like the need to pay attention to how it is affecting your own personal avodas Hashem and to know when to take a step back and to just kind of refresh and reconnect to whatever it is that keeps you positive. You know, not to just completely ignore the things that need fixing. Okay, so let's hear from you, Rifki. Societal stuff Societal that bothers stuff. you. Oh my goodness. Wait, um, we still need to marry off our children. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting because I feel like for me, one of the things that most appealed to me when I was becoming from were all the mitzvahs being out on the chavero, like all of the things that guide the way they interact with each other. I found that it was really mind blowing the whole concept, the whole concept of like, you know, a society that doesn't gossip, that doesn't like slander people. And I found that deeply appealing. The thing that I find the most challenging is when, when those particular mitzvahs are not upheld, so to speak. And the thing that I find, I guess, most painful is my own inability to stand up for it. You know, like if I just mm. kind of get swept along with it, then I'm even more frustrated and disappointed in myself. But the societal pressure, you know, I don't know, like maybe people are better at this than I am. But like if I'm in a place and someone's speaking Lush and Hara around me, I'm not going to be like, Lush and Hara, Lamed, hey, you know, like I'm not, <laughs> you know, it's like I it's socially complicated, even if it's Mm -hmm. politically correct. And it came to a head really, like I went through an experience where my family was kind of like the center of attention for a little while. And I was really shocked at the amount of people who came out of the woodwork to like, for better, lack of better words, to pump me for information. Hmm. Uh, I was really, really shocked. And I was more shocked and appalled at my own inability to like stop conversations that were problematic I just felt like very ill-equipped to just tell someone, I don't want to talk about this. This is none of your business. Being the center of like a gossip train or or whatever mm. was very disillusioning. You know, that mm. 
even though I know theoretically, yes, we're all human. And like we said in the last episode, you know, you can't judge Judaism by the Jews. And it's one thing to like keep those things in mind hypothetically, but when you are in the middle of it and when it's directly impacting, it was directly impacting my life on a, on a weekly, if not daily basis for a while. And it really, really put me in a frustrated and bad place. This isn't what I signed up for, you know, what, like, why is this happening? And I found myself like really being very negative, deeply negative. And I was also telling myself like, well, I can complain about this and I can focus on the negative because it's, it's lousy and it's negative and I don't like it. And after doing that for a while, I noticed that it was not exactly helping. (laughs) Like it was Mm -hmm. just kind of like negativity was breeding negativity. It was like this situation where I was frustrated at people not you know, I was frustrated at like the Lush and Har and Rachelis and just like, you know, Yentish kite that was negatively impacting me. But then I was getting caught up in the same kind of whirlwind. And instead of just actually going back to the, you know, the mitzvahs and the guidelines of Torah of how to interact with things like this, instead of just like following the actual Torah advice, I was getting caught up in like the maelstrom of it. And mm you know, it was affecting me so negatively. I like, I didn't want to listen to Shiram. I didn't want to listen. I didn't want to read Divrei Torah. I didn't want to open a safer. Like I just, I just wanted to complain and I wanted to just be upset about it. It was like kind of a vicious cycle. I'm trying to think of like what got me out of the cycle exactly now that I'm thinking about it again. It was a combination of things, um, which is not helpful for the podcast. You had a personal revelation. Yeah, I had a personal (laughs) revelation. Exactly. Sorry, not translatable into like a one, two, three step by step process. Exactly. But yeah, I had a personal revelation. I was like, this is not doing me any good. Like maybe I need to like return to Torah and return to the actual things that I was attracted to and being from. And let's see if that helps. And shocker, Mm -hmm. spoiler alert, it helped. Wow. And I'm not talking about like toxic positivity where I was denying that anything bad was happening. I'm Mm -hmm. talking about actually going back to observance of mitzvahs that I found helpful. I would like find ways to like just get out of conversations that were really inappropriate. I would just change the subject. I would ask them, ask if someone was talking to me, I'd be like, ask them how their grandkids were. Like, you know, just change the subject. I developed coping tools to deal with the situations I didn't want to be in. And I reminded myself that everyone has their own nisionos. So like my nision isn't fishing for gossip. I have other nisionos. It's just something that that person's struggling with and I don't have to get caught up in it. And, um, you know, I, it was finding that balance, like, like what you're talking about, Alex, like the balance between like noticing what needs to be fixing and doing what you can about it without letting it affect you. So Mm -hmm. for me, it was like giving myself the permission to complain and to acknowledge that it was like a lousy situation that I was in. That was like, it was lousy to be at the center of like gossiping and attention, but to also find a way to move forward in a a positive way, instead of just getting bogged down by the the situation that was out Mm -hmm. of my, out of, uh, out of my control and unpleasant. Mm -hmm. Is it, would it be accurate to say, I mean, this sort of was reminding me of Pina Taylor's um, five stages where you definitely experience disillusionment in, sure. in your community, correct? Yeah. And then that, what do you do with the disillusionment? And in a way, you weren't rejecting Yiddishkeit, but it sounded like you went through your own mini type of rejection stage. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I was like rebelling. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to listen to a share. Uh-uh. Because you felt yeah. that you were just dragged into this negativity and you put you in a negative place. It for sure put me in a negative place. Like I would listen to a share and instead of being like, oh, that's a beautiful Divrei Torah, I would mm. like be rolling my eyes and be like, I've heard that before. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. So you're like cynical, like it's yeah. really different. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Being part of a firm community, it, this is the beauties and also the challenges. It's like, we're, of course, we're not meant to speak Lashon Hara, but it's sort of hard when 
everyone's on top of each other. And there's a piece of gossip that's traveling about you, you or your family. Like it's really hard for everyone to be like, Oh, I'm turning the other way, turning a blind eye. I don't really want to know what really happened. Everyone wants to know what happened. It's human nature. But when we're in close knit communities, it just makes it so challenging. And on top of it, we're not meant to be talking about these things. We're not meant to be spreading Lashonara. So now that we've dished all about some of our internal struggles, we actually have a very special and exciting guest that is going to be popping on right now on this episode. Ooh. Hi, Vidi. I am such a huge fan. I am so thrilled that you're here with us today on the episode. And Risky, Beatty's our surprise guest. She's our surprise <laughs> guest. Wow. <laughs> you mean like the Beatty that I was just talking about? Yes, literally. Beatty, can you say hello to just like confirm your presence here on Normal for a Moment? I am here, although only virtually, but maybe one day we'll actually, you know, have a real in-person meet. That would be cool. Oh, that'd be yeah. so cool. <laughs> Well, our listeners can only hear us, so they have to take our word for it that that is the voice of BD Deutsch. Exactly. <laughs> BD, um, so we talked about your amazing, amazing, inspiring posts about your challenges with SNES and how you took that challenge and you turned it into something so beautiful that we found inspiring. And I'm sure our listeners also found inspiring. And I'm just, I'm so curious, like what, what prompted you to get all vulnerable and, and make that post? Like, where did it come from? I don't know. It's now that you're asking me, I can't remember exactly what prompted me. I think actually that day, no, I had, I was training for an 800 meters, which I've never really run. It's very short distance. And I, I usually run longer and it's very intense. Like when you do an eight, you go all out and you feel like every part of your body just like working so hard. And like, I felt that intensity up, like suddenly in that workout, it felt so like, clear to me. Like if I had less clothing on, like I could have cut up a second or two off my time. And like, when you're talking about an 800, it's like every second makes a difference. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like what if I was really not running? Like I could have been running like a 207 instead of a 210. Like that looks so much better. And I, I, I was, I don't know if that's actually accurate in the terms of that, but I was thinking about it then. And I'm like, you know, I should just share what I'm thinking about because I don't often talk about modesty just because it's something that I like, I do it and and I'm, I'm just comfortable with it. And I don't know, people get, it can be triggering even for people sometimes, but I was like, all right, I'll, I'll share this. And I did not expect it to blow up the way I did. Like, like really, I was shocked that I think over a hundred thousand people read it on Facebook and then on Instagram. It was, it was crazy. I was so blown away. Do you think women appreciated hearing a mentor just share a struggle that they have in Yiddishkeit? Like we're talking about normalizing struggle. Like let's not pretend we, we all have our struggles. It's a relationship. Judaism is a relationship. Like what was the success of it? Um, I think, well, many people told me that I shared ideas about Tineas that like I shared an understanding of or modesty that they had like never heard before and they like really appreciated my perspective and I definitely think normalizing the fact that like yeah struggling with a mitzvah is okay and that it's part of part of what it means to be in a relationship with Hashem and it's not easy for anyone necessarily and and to be comfortable talking about that 
but not necessarily does that mean that you're not choosing to do it or that you don't appreciate the, you can't find the meaning and value in it, even though it's hard. I think, I think for all those reasons, people resonated. Um, and I think people are sometimes scared to say like, oh, this is hard for me. You know, it's like, it's almost like if you're, if you're a, a religious Jew, like you should be doing it, you know, this is what you should be doing. And, and you don't want to be like, and the people, people might feel like they're, they're going to be judged for, for having struggles, but I never have felt that about anything. <laughs> I really never, I could honestly just like, like, I don't care about what anyone thinks about me. I've always been that way. <laughs> So it doesn't bother me to write something if I feel that like this is what I'm going, if I feel it's appropriate to share, then I will share it. No, the example that you're providing is that this is something that's hard for me, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I'm, I'm staying committed. And that is really inspiring. No, I think it is so inspiring for exactly the reasons you said. People may not have heard like these ideas about SNES and like just taking like a, a peek into like, the inner world of what it's really like to be a from Jew, that it's not all like, it's not all like, you know, if do a Sashem Basimcha, like there's, there's work in it. And we shouldn't be afraid to talk about the work because when we normalize the fact that those are normal thoughts and people will hopefully be less scared when those very normal thoughts go through their head as they're, you know, going about their daily avoda Sashem. <laughs> I think that's the point. I think that's, that's truth. And maybe I myself wasn't even, I didn't even realize that that was going to mean so much in sharing that. Like to me, it was just me kind of talking to myself almost. I, I tend to do that just like, okay, this is what's going through my head. And I think especially when people also realize like I'm in a position where it's, it's significant. Like it affects, it's my, it's, you know, a huge deal. And like, I, 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 I'm committed to it and I keep choosing it. And also ultimately I view it as, I view it as a choice. Like I don't, no one's forcing me to do this. It's I'm choosing it because I, I want to, you know? And I think that's like, that speaks to people also. So. Well, thank you for sharing these, you know, more additional insights behind your posts with our audience. Um, it's really been an honor. Thank you, Beatty, for coming on. My pleasure. Now it's time for this episode's takeaway. I'd imagine, as you were listening, you were thinking about which mitzvah or which part of Judaism is your struggle point. They give you permission to identify it, say it out loud, and take ownership of it. The next step is to take a cue from BD Deutsch. How can we reframe that struggle? How can we come to terms with it, accept it, and look at it from a positive angle? Can I see the beauty in the thing that I'm struggling with? Can I recommit myself to learning more about it and strengthening myself in it? Can I use this challenge to make a change? Now it's time for five questions with the normal from woman. Today's normal from woman is Sarah Moskowitz from Providence, Rhode Island. If you could be any month in the Jewish year, which month would you be and why? When I first read the question, if you could be any month in the Jewish year, which month would you be and why? I originally understood it as which month do I identify the most with? Like which one do I think describes me? the most. Um, and my answer to that would be Tishrei, which is a very busy month, as we know, with high holidays and regular Shabbos weekends and usually the beginning of the school year and <laughs> regular work days. And as a Jewish mother with a full-time job and a house to run and 
obligations outside of the house, I feel like I'm always running from one thing to the next, just like in Tishrei, we're going from holiday to Shabbos to holidays to this to that. Um, and I feel like I'm just very crazed and busy all the time. But if I could pick a month to be like, <laughs> I might go with something like Cheshvan, where there's nothing going on and it's nice and calm. I don't know if I would know how to function like that, um, but it does sound appealing. What's your favorite mitzvah and why? I think my favorite mitzvah or mitzvahs are the ones related to keeping Shabbos. I know it sounds cliche, but it is so nice as somebody who is very connected to technology and is at a computer all day, every day for work and social media. <laughs> it is so nice to have this mandatory break once a week for 25 hours and even on Shabbos, it can be hard. I wonder what's going on in the world. You know, what breaking news am I missing? Um, this past Shabbos, my phone kept sending out that emergency siren. I'm like, is it weather related? Is it an Amber Alert? I had no idea what it was. And every minute that you're not checking your phone on Shabbos and every minute that you're committed to keeping Shabbos is another mitzvah that you're earning. And I think we're so lucky to have something so special. And I work in a non-Jewish environment and my coworkers are just amazed that we have this day where we really don't do any work. And I think that's so special for us. What do you do to recharge? I will admit to not taking enough time to recharge. I do like to take long trips to Target alone without anybody else <laughs> to recharge. Um, if I have time for any hobbies like sewing, um, or I recently started, uh, we'll call it walking with a little bit of jogging. I'm not a runner yet. Um, but if I can get, you know, 40 minutes out of the house, uh, just with my own thoughts and no other distractions, that's a nice way to recharge. What do you love about yourself? Part of my personality that I'm proud of is my desire to help other people. I might not be the person cooking a meal for someone who just had a baby, but I'm probably the person arranging the meal train. Or when I first moved to my out-of-town community, I started a mailing list for the community members for any local needs. So if someone's looking for a ride to New York, they posted the email list that I created and somebody else responds that they have a ride for them and making those connections like that. Um, when we get the free grocery boxes <laughs> during coronavirus, one person has no need for her eight bags of chalent beans, but I know somebody making a kiddish this week who needs the extra chalent beans, so I, I make that connection. So I might just be behind the scenes orchestrating the connections, but I feel that that's part of my desire to help people in a way that I might not be able to help more directly. What do you think the from world needs more of? I think the from world or the ultra-Orthodox or Haredi or whatever label you want to give it needs is more avas chinam, more um, love without a reason. I think that they need to have more compassion and understanding and acceptance of those who do not look like them or don't dress like them or don't daven like them. Um, I, I, whether we're talking about Jews of different backgrounds or even non-Jews, I think that we miss out on a lot of opportunities for Kiddush Hashem by the way that the ultra-Orthodox world can behave towards outsiders. 
And I think having a little bit more love for our fellow humans and just more understanding and compassion for others would go a long way. Thanks for joining us today. And thanks for listening to the entire episode. We hope you gained from it. If you liked what you heard today, please click on those stars to rate and write a little something to review. Alex and I would be so grateful. As always, stay in touch by sending us an email at normalfromwomen at gmail.com or finding us on Facebook and Instagram. See you next episode.